Well, I'm from New Jersey. I'm Ron Alesco, and this is Traditions, coming to you from WFUFM, the uh, voice of Fairleigh Dickinson University in Teaneck, New Jersey. We're very proud of the Garden State, and I am very proud to have this next guest with us today. Uh, he's just writ written a book called New Jersey Folk Revival Music, and it's available on Arcadia Publishing and the History Press it's just being released. Actually, December 5th is the official release date, but uh, I happen to have a copy of it. And I also happen to have the author here in our studio today. I'd like to welcome Michael Gabriel to our show. Michael, good to see you. Ron, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. In. And I'm from New Jersey, too. All right. All right. It's <laughs> Always a, have been. <laughs> it's a club. We're, yes. all, <laughs> we're all part of it. Well, you know, in full disclosure, I have to say, I, I am actually in this book, and I was so tickled to see my, my photo in there and sure a nice are. little thing that you wrote about it. And yeah. If for those of you uh, listening, um, I'd like to just describe this book briefly. I'm, it's hard to describe it briefly because it covers so much ground. It is really a look at the um, history of New Jersey and folk music, going back to the early colonial days and the taverns where fiddle playing and dancing were so prominent, to the 1800s where guitar mania became a big thing. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, the, 19th, the 20th century, when, when artists like the Carter family and Woody Guthrie came to New Jersey to record. Then, of course, the folk revival of the 1950s and 60s. Uh, Woody Guthrie, who was in a hospital here in New Jersey, and all the artists that came to visit him, including a young Bob Dylan. And, of course, the continuing folk music revival. Uh, clubs like the Hurdy Gurdy Folk Music Club, which I'm a part of, uh, president of, and, and all the other wonderful groups that are, are mentioned in this book. Uh, making a, a feeling of community that, that uh, I am just so happy to see finally put down in book. I mean, everybody looks at New Jersey as that state in between New York and Philadelphia. And, you know, and truly it was, it always has been kind of a crossroads state, but it's, it's a rich state as you've uncovered in this, in this book. We are the corridor state, as we call it. The but sometimes people stop and visit and Sometimes they decide to stay. Yeah, that is very true. And uh, sometimes they, people like John Gorka, they grew up here and then they move on elsewhere. But, yeah. well, the, the idea for this book, um, you know, there's, there's been a lot of books about folk music in general. Uh, but you focused on New Jersey. Uh, what, what, what brought this whole idea on? Uh, I've done, this is my third book with the History Press. And the History, history Press, their niche is local and regional histories. Mm -hmm. They do stories about cities in particular states. They do stories about the Revolutionary War, the, his, the Civil War, right. uh, big events. In, they're, they're real big in the Northeast. That's, that's, their, that's one of their big markets. So um, by definition, I had to be very focused on New Jersey and this topic. And really that helps because I'm not trying to write some grand national or it's it's all about new jersey that's that's what I, I that's the mantra i always have to keep telling myself if i if i stray too far i'll, I'll do some leading up but it's always got it's got to be about new jersey that had to happen here involve people here or people who came here to do something so it's all about new jersey yes mm -hmm. and and the history of it um you know you you went back to those very early days, uh, you know, the taverns. To talk a little about this, I mean, if I, I mean, I guess uncovering some of this material. I mean, I, I've I've been doing this radio show since 1980, and I learned a lot about my state and folk music by by reading your book. And that's things, a big th compliment. Thank you. Uh, I mean, I mean, I mean it very sincerely. I mean, you you uncovered some things and, and people and places that I I didn't know existed in this state. When I set out, I I pretty much had 
the structure of the book in mind. I thought there would be three chapters, and there are, and with an epilogue. And I thought I would talk about ancient days and whatever they would be and however I would uncover that. I thought there would be a big section about the 20th century and people like Pete Seeger and Woody Guthrie and Bob Dylan and right. whatever that they did here in New Jersey. And then I wanted to dedicate a, what I thought was going to be a small section <laughs> on recent and contemporary folk music. So starting with the, the ancient days of the colonial period, it just it seemed to me like whenever I would hear stories about the bawdy days of taverns in New Jersey, it, it, there were taverns all over the place. And, and I would hear these stories about people, would, they'd get up and start singing, and they would play the fiddle. And I'm thinking, okay, yeah, it's like, this is like a Friday night coffee house. Right. It's open mic night. True. Almost every night. This is how they entertain themselves. And as I went along, I found sources that, that helped to flesh out those ideas. I met a very interesting group called uh, Spice Punch. They are 18th century musicians, not reenactors, right. musicians. And I was very lucky to find them. Uh, Tom Tucker, the guy's name, he helped me out with a lot of information. Um, and I found out through Angus Gillespie, who I went to visit, that there was a, um, an unpublished paper by a folklorist named Herbert Halpern at the, the big library there in, in, uh, in Rutgers. So uh, that provided a lot of clues to what went on back in the 17 and 1800s. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a reporter. This, so I do research like a reporter. I think like a reporter. I interview people like a reporter. I write like a reporter. And that was my approach. That's what I did. And that's how I, I just, you just kept, you just keep following your sources. You keep stumbling upon new information. And then once you gather it, the trick is to make it into a story. Mm -hmm. It has to have a narrative. It has to flow. You gotta, it's, it's facts and dates and places and names, but it's got to flow as a, as a story. So. Yeah. I remember when you, when you first called me, um, must have been a year and a half ago you told me you were thinking about this book and working on it and you didn't really have the the whole concept down at that time and you were, you were kind I kept of, I kept a few things uh, up my sleeve. Yeah. I don't want to I don't want to give away too much. <laughs> well you you did I'm glad you did but it, it, the the way it came out was um, you know I I think just a a lovely look at the state and also what what I really admire is that you kind of go into the, the explanation of the difference between folk music and folk revival music, yes. which I think is so important. Yes, yes. Want to talk about that? That was early on as I was talking to people and doing research. It, it, was, it was explained to me that there was a, there's a difference. Folk, traditional folk music is the handed down oral history. Tunes are, are presented from one generation to the next. Mm -hmm. um, and then folk revival is the commercial music that's been inspired by that. Now, I got to tell you, I mean, I come at this really as, a, as an outsider. So I know there are arguments about that kind of stuff. I even hear it sometimes when I listen to music about, well, this, you know, people say this really isn't a folk tune, but blah, blah. So I, I'm not really, that, that's not my argument. That's not my country. I, I don't really draw real hard, distinct lines. So I think, I think there's a lot of crossover, and I point that out even in the people that I talk to, some respected folklorists, sure. pretty much said the same thing. So, yes, but there is, okay, there is a, there is a distinction between folk, the music that came down from the hills that people brought with them from, from Europe when they came here to the United States. Okay, that's folk music. It's like cultural anthropology. But, yeah, folk revival music, and that's a pretty common term. That's people who recorded the music and, and made records and gave concerts, people like Woody Guthrie and... Bob Dylan and Pete Seeger, that's, that's the revival or the renaissance. Mm -hmm. it's, like, it's like Florence in the 1500s. People, people rediscover sure. the classic 
information, and then they take it and do something else with it. So that's the yeah. that's this. And there there've been I think there've been several revivals throughout the years. Yeah, it's still going on. It's it's a, it's a living tradition yeah. so, as I always looked at it. The uh, another part of this book that I, I really enjoyed was um, well, uh, let me make a confession. I, I grew up in Bergen County. I know a lot of people from Bergen County and northern New Jersey. The southern part of the state, we don't know about it. <laughs> that's, that was the fun. That's that was the, the honest fun part. part. And what you uncovered, and well, not uncovered, because I think some of it's common knowledge, but I think you reminded us of the rich heritage that takes place in South Jersey and the Pinewoods, Pinelands especially. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, there's so much of our music. I mean, because I guess the, the, that was sort of an area was was a stopping point for a lot of the the travelers at that point. A lot of people that a lot of those traditions took root down there in the Pine Barrens. Um, a guy named uh, Jim Albertson was a big, big help and a big, a really good source and a really nice guy. He helped me out a lot. Um, like I said, there was that unpublished paper at the Rutgers Library that had information about this this guy that I had no idea even existed. His name was Sammy Guyberson. Mm-hmm. And he was, this, he was this wayfaring musician. He played the fiddle and he was an acrobatic dancer. And they told the story about how he would basically walk from tavern to tavern, place to place, and play it plate the dances and things like that so yeah that's that was a a a lot of fun i went down to where town where albert hall our albert hall is (laughs) and people down there were very nice to me they helped me out a lot and i knew i had heard about this place called the home place right where the albert brothers back in the 30s 40s and 50s built themselves a little hunting cabin and to entertain themselves on weekends they would get their instruments and they met some local musicians and this became like a tradition on Saturday nights. They would play music at the home place. But that all eventually went away. Um, the place was burned down by vandals, actually. And so the people at the Albert, today's Albert Hall, I said, you know, boy, I really would like to know, where, where was the cabin? Well, the, yeah. the, guy, the guy, he said, oh, I could take you there. I said, oh, you could, yeah. Had my camera. And we went out into the woods and drove as far as we could, walked about a mile. And it's, it's like a ruin, yeah. like, you know, like the Roman ruins. It's just... Just a pile of bricks now. So it's amazing, and, and you know the, the, that whole thing uh, with, with the Albert brothers. I mean, that, that's in a lot of cultures that that happens. In Canada, they call them kitchen parties. In Ireland, I think it's the same thing, where people made music, and that's what folk music was at its at its heart. And to see Albert Hall continuing that tradition, uh, people, just kept growing and growing. Yeah, it's still there. Well, you know, what? I want to play some music because this is a music show, and uh, you mentioned Jim Albertson, who is a, a real treasure here in the state. Good guy. Um, this is a, a piece called "The Pinewoods Traveler," which is a, a takeoff on the Arkansas Traveler, but a lot of references to the state. Take a listen. Once upon a time, near a pine tree small, an old man sat by his little cabin wall, and he fiddled at a tune that he liked to hear. Jolly old tune that he fiddled by ear. Raining hard, the man didn't care. He fiddled away at the popular air. His roof, it leaked like a waterfall. Didn't seem to bother the man at all. Pardon me there, old timer, but uh, I seem to be lost. Yep, you sure do look lost. I am lost. I wonder if you might be able to help me. How far is it from here to Philadelphia? 
Oh, about 50,000 miles in the direction you're headed. And you're going to get your wheels pretty wet. No, you don't seem to understand. I am lost, and I wonder, uh, that road over there, does that road go into Philadelphia? Nope. Every morning I get up at sunrise, and I look out my window at that road. There it sets. It don't go nowhere. No, no, look, you don't understand. What I mean is, can I take that road to Philadelphia? What for? Don't they have a road? Besides, if the folks around here found that road missing, you'd be in plenty of trouble. This is ridiculous. If you're not going to help me, how far is it to the nearest house? I don't know. They ain't never invited me over there. Look, this is really ridiculous. It's getting late, and I'm getting cold and tired and hungry. Can I stay here tonight? Nope. It's been raining for three days, and my roof leaks. Well, wait a minute. It's not raining today. Why don't you get up there and fix your roof? My roof don't leak when it ain't raining. Look, I don't want to stay here anyway. This place is a mess. It's a pig pen. It's a buffalo holler. In fact, I'll bet you have bed bugs. Hold on there, stranger. We don't have a single bed bug around here. Well, that's good to know. Help! Oop! Help! Hey! Oop! Hey! I thought you said you don't have a single bed bug around here. That's right. We don't have a single bed bug. They's all married and has large families. This is ridiculous. Hey, wait a minute. Hey, there's something flying around in here. What is that thing? Oh, don't worry none about that thing. Why, that's just the official state bird of New Jersey. The mosquito. Mosquito? That's a pretty big bird. That's nothing. One night I heard a strange noise and I woke up, and there standing on either side of my bed was two mosquitoes wearing overalls with horseshoes hanging on chains around their necks. One said to the other, Should we eat them here or take them home? The other said, Let's not take them home. The big ones might get us. How long have they been around here? Well, as long as anyone can remember. My grandfather was painting his boat in dry dock one day when he heard a thunderous roaring sound. He looked up and a huge cloud of mosquitoes swooped down on him. He quick jumped under the boat to hide, but soon he heard a loud racket. They was drilling their beaks through the boat. Grandpa opened his toolbox and took out his hammer and bent all the beaks over. A few minutes later, they flew away, carrying the boat with them. Well, they don't seem to bother you. Well, I'm just used to them by now. Besides, they know me. And each year they just come back and stick their beaks in the old holes. Besides, New Jersey mosquitoes don't bite. They don't? Nope. They smoke these little tiny cigarettes and they put them out on your skin. Well, why don't you put screens up at your windows? Screens? Listen here, stranger. I owe my long life to breathing clean, fresh pine barrens air.
I ain't gonna start breathing strained air for nobody. You know something? There is not much separating you from a fool. I know. Just that fence there in front of you. Well, what I mean to say is, you are the closest thing to a fool I've ever met. That's right. But if you keep your mouth shut, I don't think anybody will notice. What I really mean to say is, you are without a doubt the biggest fool I have ever met in all my born days. Well, that may be true, but I do know one thing. Oh, yeah? What's that? I ain't lost. Well, once upon a time near a pine tree small, an old man sat by his little cabin wall, and he fiddled at a tune that he liked to hear. Jolly old tune that he fiddled by ear. Raining hard, the man didn't care. He fiddled away at the popular air. His roof, it leaked like a waterfall. Didn't seem to bother the man at all. And that's uh, Jim Albertson and the song Pinewoods Traveler. That was from an album that Jim recorded a number of years ago for Folkways Records uh, called Down Jersey. And we're, we're, we're talking about New Jersey today with Michael Gabriel, the author of a brand new book called New Jersey Folk Revival Music. It's uh, being published by Arcadia Publishing and the History Press. And we'll be back to talk a little bit more with Michael about this right after this. Enjoy the show you're listening to right now? If you represent a specific event, product, or service that you'd like to let our listeners know about, why not become an underwriter for this program? Underwriting donor announcements are available for individual shows or for entire blocks of programming. It's the best and most economical way to get your message out there and to connect with listeners to this program. For more information, visit WFDU.FM and click on the Money Matters tab. Scroll down to the word Underwriting and just fill out the form. Someone from the radio station will contact you shortly. Thank you, and enjoy the rest of the show. This segment of WFDU programming is underwritten by the Hurdy Gurdy Folk Music Club. On Saturday, December 3rd at 8 p.m. at the Fairlawn Community Center in Fairlawn, New Jersey, the Hurdy Gurdy presents folk musician Happy Trom and his multimedia presentation coming of age in the folk revival and the Woodstock scene. Happy presents an insider's view of these historical eras with the aid of vintage photos and musical clips. He also punctuates his remembrances with colorful anecdotes and incisive memories of his adventures as an active member of the New York folk revival. In addition to the concert, the hurdy-gurdy will feature a book signing with Michael Gabriel, author of the new book, New Jersey Folk Revival Music. The number for more information on the hurdy-gurdy folk music club is 201-384-1325. And the website is hurdygurdyfolk.org. And we just happen to have Michael Gabriel here in our studio today. As mentioned, he'll be at the hurdy-gurdy on uh, December the 3rd. That's this coming Saturday night. Uh, he'll be signing copies of the book in the lobby. Uh, and also Happy Tram will be performing. And again, as many of you know, I'm also the president of the Hurdy Gurdy Folk Music Club. I'm Ron Alesco, and you're listening to Traditions on WFDU. And, and Michael, um, the, you're having an official release party, which I know I'm going to be part of as well, uh, on December 9th. And, well, tell us a little bit about this. Uh, I'm a member of the Nutley Historical Society, and in Nutley we have a nice little museum. Uh, we're going to do a, um, a book launch reception on Friday, December the 9th. 7 p.m. 
Uh, you are going to be my keynote speaker, which I'm very happy about. And Roger Dietz is going to be my featured artist, which should be a lot of fun. And uh, we're going to have some food and we're going to have some fun and some music and hopefully give away some, uh, give away some prizes and uh, sign some books. Yeah. So uh, hope for a nice, uh, hope people turn out. It should be fun. It should be a fun evening. And uh, it's an important book. And, and this is also going to be available, I understand, on Amazon.com and I guess in bookstores as well, probably in New Jersey, right? Yeah, it'll be, it'll be in all local bookstores. Um, I'll be doing some meet and greets at, at bookstores the next, the next couple of months. Um, it just, you can Google the, the title of the book and it's, it's on Amazon. I've got a Facebook page. It's on the history press page. It's on the Nutley historical society page. So it's, you'll, you'll find it out there. Mm-hmm. So, well, I'm glad. I hope a lot of people will, will learn about this because there, there was so much to learn about, about folk revival and, and, and folklore in, in New Jersey. Now I, I was having a discussion with my brother-in-law who's also involved in the music industry. And I, I mentioned to him about Camden, New Jersey, and he didn't even know. What happened in Camden? I didn't know about it either until I, <laughs> until all of a sudden I kept looking through various sources. It's, there, was, there, was a, there was an A&R man named Ralph Peer. He lived in East Orange, and he was a real important figure yeah. in 20th century music. He brought to Camden the, old, the Victor Recording Studios, the talking machines, as it were. He brought the Carter family. He brought Jimmy Rogers and... Um, Woody Guthrie, Woody Guthrie recorded his first album in Camden, New Jersey. Not in Texas, not right. in Oklahoma, not in New York City, but Camden, New Jersey. So those are some of the some of the some of the big. Paul Robeson recorded right. his his first record at uh, in Camden, New Jersey. So that that was that was really a technology hub back yeah. then, and all those all those really important artists came there, and of course they were in New Jersey and doing it in New Jersey. So. Yeah, you know, we mentioned Paul Robeson. I, I I don't think it was in the book, but I, my family and I go to uh, Ocean Grove quite a bit. Paul Robeson was a waiter in one of the restaurants <laughs> in, in Ocean Grove during during his college days. You know, and uh, when you think about the state, you know, people kind of poo poo it all, all these years. You know? uh, but there, there, there's there's overlook that. Yeah, I, that you have to, and, and I think that's what your book puts in perspective. You know, that there is a rich rich heritage here, and there are some wonderful musicians that you've interviewed and, and give a little vignettes of it in there. One of them was the man you mentioned who's going to be uh, appearing uh, at, at the, the, the December 9th signing, Roger Dietz, who is, uh, I, I, he is the, the folk laureate of New Jersey. Uh, uh, he's a writer, he's a singer, performer. He, he does incredible columns for Sing Out magazine, and uh, he is a real treasure. I want to play one of his songs right now. Please, uh, yeah. This is a song that uh, I've always loved. Um, and I think it kind of speaks a little bit about New Jersey, too. It's about the common man. Mm-hmm. Here's Roger Dietz. So many years have passed Since you first came to this land With a hammer, a plow, and a shovel and a Bible in your hand You built the roads and bridges You fought the rich man's wars You never asked for much You never asked what for But you still love her This promised land Though the promises are broken And there's poverty at hand 
the most you have in common is how much you can stand. There's nothing very common about the common man. Sometimes there was enough. Sometimes you went without. Some years the rain washed dreams away. Some years there was a drought. The summers were too hot, and the winters much too cold. Your children grew too weary before they grew too old. But you still love her, this promised land. Though the promise is broken. There's misery at hand. The most you have in common is how much you can stand. There's nothing very common about the common man. Your women pick the cotton. Your children work the mills. Your poor lived in the hollows while the rich lived on the hills. The politicians they promised a future oh so grand. I guess that's why America is called the promised land. But you still love her, this promised land. Though the promise is broken and there's poverty at hand, the most you have in common is how much you can stand. There's nothing very common about the common man. Dietz. And uh, again, he'll be appearing on uh, December 9th in Nutley at the uh, Nutley Historical Society as part of this book release. I'll also be there. I'm keynote speaker, so I guess I better figure out what I'm going to say. <laughs> and uh, also our guest today, Michael Gabriel, who uh, just wrote this wonderful book called New Jersey Folk Revival Music. It's available from the History Press. Uh, there are so many people that you interviewed and uh, appear in this book you know people like roger mike agronoff elaine silver and so many others um as i was going through i'm mean, I saying gee these are all my friends people who i've, I've known since i started doing the show and you've been you've been right on the front lines with everybody else <laughs> well it, you know it's it's because it is such a rich heritage and, and to see all the, this acknowledgement of the of the the talent in the state um, you know, I commend you for doing that, but I imagine there's probably a lot of people that you couldn't fit in here. I mean, it could have been a, a huge volume. There's, there's a lot. There were a lot of outtakes, that's for sure. So, but I have a word limit. I got to honor it. So, yes, right. that keeps you honest. That's right. uh, that's that's true. Yes. So, so. 
there's one part before I forget this. I, I want to go back to the 1800s where with guitar mania, which is something I had not really heard of before. Me neither until I looked into it. Uh, it basically, it started in Europe. It kind of coincided with, uh, with Mr. Martin when he came and built his guitars here, first in New York City, then in Nazareth, I guess. Right. Pennsylvania. Yeah, um, this was when the guitar was really first being discovered as a, as a popular instrument. Yeah. And um, Martin took, he, he developed his own style and his own, his own design. And it sounds funny to think, but this was like a new thing back then. People, they would order guitars. You could buy it for fairly reasonable price compared to say like a piano and people would play it at home and it was it was that kind of an instrument that uh, you could sit around the campfire and, and play it and uh, but this was all being done for the first time it's huh. kind of weird to think of it the guitar is so popular now and slowly but surely people became very proficient virtuosos and there was a man named William Foden who lived in Englewood New Jersey came from St. Louis moved here to Englewood and he was I think he's like one of the big founding fathers of the and big heroes of the guitar mania. So if, if you're a hot guitar player <laughs> and you want to do like six degrees of separation, probably somewhere along the line, one of your teachers, it all goes back to William Foden. So uh, that's fascinating. And and the, the the neat thing, it was him, uh, a renowned mandolin player, and a and America's best banjo player. They brought these guys together like a dream team. So like. Think about it. Guitar, mandolin, banjo. These are staples yeah. of folk music, um, roots music, blues music, uh, bluegrass music. Three, <laughs> yeah. Here they were, touring the country, playing, you know, before anybody knew what was really going on. They were, they were out there doing this stuff. Not as folk musicians, but I think people kind of caught the idea. Sure. You know, then they thought about, well, gee, what else could we do with this? So, yeah. Well, it was, it was for making music in the home, which is what folk right. music has always been the heart of that. Right. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and you've got that. And you, you've, you've also got so many other little pieces of history in New Jersey. Um, Woody Guthrie, as we touched on it before, uh, Woody uh, recorded the live wire here, although that wasn't his intention. It was just a, a college student right. happened to be uh, testing a little homegrown recorder. Right. And right. I don't even know if Woody even knew he was being recorded that day. Maybe but, not. Maybe not. But, uh, you know, he did perform here in the state. And, of course, um, the tragic part was... When he uh, developed Huntington's disease, he was hospitalized in New Jersey for so many years. Greystone. Greystone, yeah. And I know some people, um, a gentleman who um, actually went to Greystone and found in the basement, in a building, found Woody's old records just lying in a cabinet, not being looked at. And uh, you know, the, the, this is part of uh, this good and the bad of this story. And, and, and you've, you've got all of this in, in, in the book. And People who came to visit Woody, including a little guy from uh, Minnesota who... Uh, Robert Zimmerman. Yeah. Also known as Bob Dylan, yes. First, first he, he hooked up with Woody's family in, uh, I guess they were living in Brooklyn or Coney Island. Right, Brooklyn. Yeah. And they said, no, well, if you want to see him, he's over, he's, he's hospitalized at Greystone. But on the weekends, this nice, this nice couple, the Gleasons, take him back. And they, he's, at his, he's, he's at their apartment in East Orange. East Orange keeps coming up in this yeah. story. And he stays there on the weekend, so... I guess Bob Dylan took the bus from New York City, went to see Woody in in in, in East Orange, and uh, and I actually found I, a lot of people. I've seen that story in other books, but 
fortunately, I found out exactly where they were in East Rockland. <laughs> I, I went, I drove there, took a picture of the apartment house, and so it's in the book. So that's that's my contribution to the to the to the to the story. So wow, did you? Uh, you also interviewed some of the people that knew the Gleasons. I think the Gleasons have passed on. Yeah, they passed on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, in the introduction, I talk about this is a book about how the music affected people on stage and also in the audience, so to speak. And one of the things I'm very proud of as a reporter, I not only talk about the big events and the musicians who are still around that I could interview, but I also I got first-person eyewitness stories from people who went to see mm-hmm. Bob Dylan, who, who, and who, who was in, the person who was in the studio, he's working as a technician in Newark when, when Pete Seeger was recording his, his TV show. And people who went to went to the concerts, and and uh, a real nice guy who actually went down to the march in Washington, and saw it. And that was and people they, they they always say that you know the things that they this this music changed their lives. Right. So I tried to I tried to capture that music, and this was no small thing. I think they're they're speaking for a big a big audience. Yes. Because as I and I include this when I would go back and and look at newspaper accounts of like Joan Baez's concert in Newark in 1962. I purposely left in the, the the quotation from the newspaper. You know, the halls were packed. This was like this wasn't just like some some little thing that uh, a couple people. Right. People were hip to this kind of stuff. So if I got some eyewitnesses, they they were probably expressing what a lot of people were feeling back then. So yeah, I mean, as you show in the book, the, the folk revival started not when Bob Dylan plugged in or or when King Satrio recorded. It, it goes back decades before that. It was building. Sissel Sharp. Sissel Sharp. Never there you go. Had no idea who he was, uh-huh. but I found him. And again, back in Camden at the Victor Studios, he was a folklorist from England. And he came to America three times, and he wanted to discover the folk tunes that people brought with them who came to America from Scotland and Ireland and England. And he found them. And these they, people were in Appalachia and they were singing these songs. So he, he transcribed them and recorded some of them in, uh, in, in Camden. So that, that again, the idea that you're rediscovering what had gone on before the classics. So that, I think that's, you could give him credit for, for being, that was the first folk revival. Mm, right. Woody Guthrie, 1940, the, the 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 album that that he recorded about uh, about uh, being out in the in the Dust Bowl mm-hmm. that was another the revival of the late fifties early sixties Bob Dylan um, uh, those people from Greenwich Village right. another revival I think there's a there's probably a revival going on oh you need you need a little distance but I think there's a revival going on nowadays well there is it and you get you get to that in the book as well you know the, the clubs like the hurdy gurdy and the minstrel and the folk project and, and closing circle you talk about all of these these places that you know were long after the folk revival was declared dead by the media it was continuing here in New Jersey and it still is and that's um, that's nice that you were able to, 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 to bring it right up to date with that baby boomers are, they got to hand it off to the Millennials now and they, they got to take it and do what they want with it right so acoustic music <laughs> there you go I, I want to play another artist um, who I've known since the early days that I started doing the show uh, we used to joke that she was the queen of folk music in New Jersey. Yeah, she was. And her name is Elaine Silver. Yeah, She's she living was. in Florida now, but you, you tracked her down. I tracked her down, and she was very nice, and she answered all my questions, and she sent me a picture, so I thank you, Elaine. <laughs> well, let's listen to one of her songs, which is about New Jersey, 
Here's a song from Elaine Silver called Sunset in Cape May. Silver, she's still New Jersey's folk queen. She, you, you can take her out of New Jersey, but you know you can't take New Jersey out of her. I'm telling you, Elaine Silver. Well, I'm Ron Alesco, and you're listening to Traditions on WFUFM. My guest this first hour is Michael Gabriel, who has a, um, a brilliant new book called New Jersey Folk Revival Music. It's published by the History Press. the The official release date is uh, December the fifth. Uh, but I, I've already got a copy, and there's going to be some book signings on December the 9th at the... At the Nutley Museum, yes. And what, do you have the address for that? Do you remember? Uh, 65 Church Street, just mm-hmm. a block up the hill from Franklin Avenue. Uh-huh. Well, I'm sure people can also Google this. And uh, also, you're going to be coming this Saturday night to the Hurdy Gurdy, where you'll be, be sign, signing copies yeah. of the book. And I'm sure you'll have many more signings as well. Um, you know, as I, as I thumb through the book, uh, I, 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 there's some wonderful pictures and... 
You know, you, you mentioned Angus Gillespie, who uh, was at Rutgers University, who started the New Jersey Folk Festival, which is a big help. He was he really he really got me going on this. Yeah, so I and, thank him a lot. And that that festival has done so much for keeping folk music alive in this state. Uh, I'm looking at people like Josh White and Josh White Jr. And you, you were kind enough to mention the Hurdy Gurdy and our That's Josh right. White tribute That's that part we of did. The and you also go talk about the Blacklist um, and Millard Lampell, who was from, from Patterson, New Jersey. From Patterson was a member of the original Almanac Singers. Mm-hmm. He went on to become a, a, a brilliant uh, screenwriter and novelist, uh, important guy. Yeah. and uh, Didn't know anything about him <laughs> until I found him, and that's and, part of the fun. And you, we, we talked briefly about uh, Pete Seeger going to uh, WNJU Channel 47 in, in uh, New Jersey. In Newark it was, right? In Newark. And that was the time where he was blacklisted, and that was the only television that he could he could do at that at that point. Um, New Jersey got him. <laughs> That's a brilliant show, by the way. A lot of those are still out on They're DVD. Still out, yes, yes. Um, so much, and and the contemporary artists, people like Rick Paldieri and uh, uh, all the wonderful folks in at Albert Albert Hall. Um, I'm looking at here's a poster from the old Middletown Folk Festival. That's another classic. Uh, the New Jersey folk festivals we mentioned and uh, hoot and holler. Oh, it's just, it's a delight to look back at this and, and realize what a, a treasure we have in the state. And I hope a lot of people will pick this up because it, it, even if you're not from New Jersey, I mean, this is a, a history of, of folk music. It is a history of New Jersey and it appeals on so many different levels. I, I congratulate you for, 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 for putting this, this together. Thank you very much. That's, that's very nice. Thank uh, you. Uh, where, where do you go from here? I'm sure you got other ideas you probably can't tell us about. Uh, well, <laughs> this this book was this was a lot of work. So uh, if the History Press, if they want me to write another book, I'll be happy to. But let's I'm going to enjoy this for a while. Oh. Take a little recharge the batteries, and and this will be a lot of fun. I'm I'm looking forward to getting out and meeting people. And as I told you before, the the research doesn't stop. I'm still. Right. People are still calling me, and I'm still finding stuff that, oh, boy, gee, I wish I knew that before. Uh, yeah, so, uh, I don't know, who knows? Maybe I'll work some of that in uh, another time. Uh, well, I, I wish you luck with all this, and I'm sure we'll be, be in close touch. This book is, is going on my library shelf, and it's, it's something I know that I'm going to be referring back to quite a bit. Uh, great job, Michael Gabriel, and uh, thank you for coming by today. Thank you. And again, our, our audience, just uh, do a little Google search, New Jersey Folk Revival Music from the History Press, and uh, it's a good read, especially with the holidays coming up. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's listen now to one other New Jersey treasure, Mr. Mike Agronoff. And good guy. A little story. Big help. Yeah. Good oh, source. He's, he's a source for everything. And here's a little uh, rendition of um, a story that's, I guess, kind of, well, December's coming up, and that's when this, I think, took place. No, and actually, no, I'm thinking of something else. But this is <laughs> Mike telling us the story of the Battle of Trenton. Again, Michael Gabriel, thanks for being here today. My pleasure, Ron. Story ripped from the pages of history, as they say. So I will tell it to you in my native language. So you think she knows all about history, eh? You learn all that stuff back in school? Well, them bookworms, they don't know nothing. And if you think they does, you're a fool. I'll tell you how it all happened when me and George Washington saw how to cross the Delaware River and turn the tide of the war. It was coming up right around Christmas, the year 1776, <laughs> and us glorious Patriot Army, we was all in a terrible fix. We'd been chased all the way down through Jersey and found ourselves, would you believe, crossed the Delaware River from Trenton, uh, which is no place to spend Christmas Eve. But 
we figures we have us a party, what with the long weekend and all. You know, we get us some chips and a six-pack, have us a regular ball. So we sent Colonel Knox to the Pathmark to pick up the pretzels and brew. But the Pathmark was closed, can't of Christmas, says George. Now what do we do? Charlie Lee says, you try Philadelphia? Says, George, are you out of your head? Nothing happens in Philly the rest of the year. On Christmas, it's going to be dead. We all sit to give up and watch football. When I get to me this brilliant idea, the Hessians is over in Trenton. They're German. They got to have beer. We all looked around at each other, made a mad dash to put on hats and coats, went charging out in the snowdrifts, yelling, to Trenton, men, head for the boats. And the vision of imported brisky brought a smile to old George's face as he led us to Washington's Crossing, uh, which seemed an appropriate place. <laughs> well, we shoved off in these leaky old rowboats we rented for $2 cash. George was half in the bag when he started. He was general. He had his own stash. He stood up like some freaking statue with his tricorn hat and blue coat shouting, Onward to Trenton and victory! Sit down, George! You're on the boat! Sorry. <laughs> well, it must have been zero dark thirty by the time we all got across. So George leads us eastbound to Trenton, which was south of us. So we got lost. So he stops off at this all-night Sunoco. Hey, which way to Trenton? How far? Um, you hang a right at the 7-Eleven. Eight traffic lights, there you are. It was dawn when we got to the city. Rang the doorbell outside the wall. And whose face should appear at the peephole? The boss German himself, Colonel Rawl. Who's there at this hour of the morning? What are you guys doing here? Uh, we heard you was having a party. <laughs> and we thought we could borrow some beer. Rawl was not in the mood to be generous. He had a head just like a balloon. They've been all getting pie-eyed on Pilsner since 4 o'clock last afternoon. So he told us some bad things in German. Slammed the door in our face where we stood. <laughs> so we let's go with our cannon figured it do his hangover some good. Well, Rawl gets together his troopers, at least them as he can get out of bed, with one hand waving his saber and the other hand holding his head. And as for us, we'd been marching since nightfall till we was all weak in the knees, and we hadn't seen booze since Thanksgiving, and half of us had the DTs. So, ah, what a terrible battle. Yeah, what a pitiful sight. The Germans so tight they couldn't shoot straight, us so straight we couldn't shoot right. So we filled all the fence posts with bullets, and we filled all the morning with smoke. Fired off cannon and musket till every last window in Trenton was broke. When suddenly, down from the courthouse, our guys, let's go this big cheer. With heroic effort and battle, they'd seize the entire reserves of their beer. And that broke the will of the Hessians. Back to New York, they went creeping. Because once you run out of brisky, there ain't nothing in Trenton white keeping. And that was the very beginning when the Germans all cried, Das ist alles, of the British reversal that ended in Yorktown with General Cornwallis. And we drew us a bender that lasted well into sometime next year, floating up to our eyeballs in gallons of good German beer. And that's the truth. <laughs> and that's Mr. Mike Agronoff and the Battle of Trenton. And Mike Agronoff, another New Jersey treasure. Uh, again, I want to thank Michael Gabriel for coming by today and then discussing his book, History, I'm sorry, New Jersey Folk Revival Music. It's from the History Press, and uh, Michael will be at the Hurdy Gurdy on December the 3rd signing books. That's part of our 
Happy Traum concert that the Hurdy Gurdy will be presenting that night, a multimedia show uh, about his role in the folk revival. And uh, Michael also on December the 9th will be at the Nutley Historical Society. I'll be there along with Roger Dietz, and we're going to be celebrating the book's release. So uh, something you might want to check out, especially with the holidays coming up. I'm Ron Alesco. This is Traditions on WFUFM.